Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, you reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Liz. And Matt. And we are back from Miami. We're on a juice cleanse, and we've got to talk about that Chiefs comeback victory from Sunday night. After my conversation with him last week, we asked, should Taysom Hill be flex eligible? There are reports that the Bears will add a veteran quarterback to challenge Mitch Trubisky in camp. I've got an idea for the Bears that rhymes with slick rolls. And we close out the show wrapping up our way-too-early top 10 ranks of running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Listen up. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Liz and Matt and Brett, and we are home from Miami, though we are not necessarily human yet again. Fair assessment, Matt. Getting close. Getting close, but not, you're right, not all the way there yet. I'm hoping, like, you know, next, like, the the coming Monday, I'm feeling all the way back. But it's been it's been good to be back home, but... I don't know. I won't, I won't speak for you, Liz, but I think Miami was a damn blast. I had I had so much fun, uh, enjoyed the work uh, and enjoyed everything else. I thought it was great. I loved Miami as a Super Bowl city. As I said on the last podcast, I had never been to Miami before and I completely loved it. I thought it was gorgeous. I loved that, uh, like, as a Latina, I loved that I was talking Spanish in every single um, lift ride that I went to and just at restaurants and to people on the street. Um, I love that I got to introduce some of our coworkers to Peruvian cuisine, uh, mm. which everybody was like, I didn't know you were Peruvian. And I was ordering in Spanish. So that felt really, really lovely. Um, the work was incredible. I mean, going to a damn Super Bowl and seeing it live, working Radio Row, the pregame show, the the work was some of the most exciting work I think I've done in my career. So I loved all of that in the city. And of course, our coworkers are like an incredible backdrop to all of it. Um, but work and play, we certainly did. And now I have to be honest, um, Monday when I got home, the adrenaline was still pumping. And Tuesday when it bottomed out, I was definitely <laughs> one with my sofa. Yeah. Oh, no question. Like Saturday night, I came back and like, you know, we had people over at the house and I was like, I'm still feeling it. This is great. I'm I'm enjoying but by by Monday I was like, uh that that'll be enough. Like I need to not speak to a, <laughs> I need to not speak yeah. to a human for a little while. Like n- nothing. Just let's let's check out on this one. But it was great. I would second everything that you said about the work being some of the most enjoyable things I've done in my entire career. No no doubt. 
So speaking of the work, then I have to say, you went home on Saturday. I went home on Monday. I was, uh, I did the pregame show from the SLS hotel, which by the way, that was a blast with uh, <laughs> Michelle Gingras and Kimberly A. Martin. And so that was incredible. And just to review the week and discuss the game that was hours away, Scott Pioli was on the set with us and that was all credible. And then we jumped as soon as we were done, you know, the sound guy came, took our mics off and we jumped into a car and raced to the stadium to then watch and work the game. And so watching the game, there's all of this adrenaline, but we've just done like an hour long live pregame show. So the adrenaline is up, 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 right. And then we go to the game and we watch the game. And uh, I was tasked with taking over the Yahoo Sports Instagram handle. So I'm trying to like do all this like BTS social stuff while watching the game and making game notes. And then also periodically, like every seventh thought would be like, you're at a Super Bowl. Yeah, It's yeah. your life. Like, like holy <laughs> sh**. This like, is sick. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, um, but then like, you'd be like, oh, it's a football game. They're like, it's not any football game, lady. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so... That was pretty cool. And then the halftime show happened. And I don't know who these pearl clutchers are that complained about that because that was just a pure shot of that was like a Tarantino movie done right, like right in the thigh. Give me the EpiPen. Holy shit. Loved a squad goals, loved everything about that. Uh, and then, you know, the game itself, I had some thoughts like it, I was kind of writing some notes. And then in the last like five and a half minutes of the game, Everything turned, the momentum shift. You felt the energy in the stadium. And this, I have to fully admit, Matt, I missed you because I was like, I want, I wanted to like talk about the game. And I moved from analyst. I mean, I did like a, an analyst breakdown very yeah. quickly, like a breaking news thing from the bowels of the stadium, like in the tunnel, which was also wild. And then like they're like, helping Andy Reid's wife around and all the wags are like screaming and I'm like, oh, I got to give us some a 90 second analysis. Let's go. But I then moved into like reporter mode, which I've never done before and like was in the locker room with the Chiefs after the game. Yeah. That we can talk about. But I have to admit what I wanted to just sit there and be like, can we, I, you are the person that I talk about the games with. And yeah. I felt this like really wanting to discuss like if what I saw, cause lots of times on Sundays, like we'll talk about, even if it's not on the pod, what yeah. you saw, what I saw, did I miss something? Did you miss something? And so I'm, I'm was really looking forward to today because I felt like I had a, a, I've been digesting everything I saw, but when you're watching it in real time, as we do on Sundays, it was, it's so nice to be able to, as analysts go over everything. And so I just want to say that I really missed you. I was, I was like, Brett, why didn't we schedule like a right now pod post game, get it out while we still have, you know, a little bit of adrenaline left. Because <laughs> Brett, Brett, Brett would have, Brett have because lost I was it. doing that with Charles and <laughs> Therese and I was up till three in the morning <laughs> working on that well, one. Book my time in advance. Book my Why didn't we do a super pod? Why didn't we do a super pod? I'm just saying I would have loved to like schnorr my way into Charles and Therese's pod. And I think Matt would have been a lovely addition. So... I mean, while I would normally say that the biggest shock is you saying that you missed me in this great moment, which is very heartwarming, Liz, by the way. The biggest shock is that you made it to the freaking stadium from the pregame show in time. Because <laughs> let me tell you what, I love Miami. That was a great city. <laughs> Nobody can drive in that city except one human being. And he's sitting across from me here. Hey, now. Brett. Raider, ladies and gentlemen, Brett Raider, the actual sneaky Super Bowl uh, MVP, because this guy 
Thank you to Avis. Thank you to Dodge. <laughs> the Dodge, uh, whatever SUV mom minivan we got. I don't know what it was. This but this guy got a probably definitely hungover, but probably still drunk Matt Harmon with to his interview with Ryan Fitzpatrick with two minutes to spare. Brett wow. Raider is the only person that can drive in Miami. So that's the biggest twist. But I agree, like th- one of the most valuable things that we can have in, in each other and, you know, all analysts in general is to be able to like talk through what we're seeing more because I think it I mean, it does really just help you kind of digest the proceedings better. Well, and the fact that you, I mean, I was also like, God, Harmon got to see the television version, which wouldn't have happened if we were both there. But like, so here's my take. And then you tell me because I I had big plans and I've said this to you offline already, big plans on Tuesday after I got back to rewatch the Super Bowl with my, you know, notebook in hand, as I'd like to do Um, and uh, also work out and um, I don't know, do some laundry. I didn't do I watched a lot of Bachelor, which is not at all the same as um as the Super Bowl. But here's what while I was sitting there, here's what my takeaway was. First half, Kyle Shanahan, all sorts of creative um had the Chiefs defense shook, right? Like yes, Tyron Matthew did manage to to tackle Debo uh in a couple of touchdown saves, right? Like that happened, but for the most part, you're seeing you shook it into the end zone. You're seeing like but just like the and then on the other side of it, like the 49ers are dominating defensively. No big surprise because Patrick Mahomes has all these off target throws. The pass rush is getting to him. Some zone looks are confusing him. But I thought more impressive like that. We expected. Well, we expected the do- the domination of the defense from the San Francisco side of things. Maybe we expected Mahomes to not be so shook for so long, but that wasn't too surprising. And as you know, we also you and I talked a couple of days before that this game, everyone was assuming the Chiefs would win because of the Mahomes factor that ended up being true. Mm -hmm. But there was this feeling that I was like, could this turn into a Super Bowl 50 Broncos win over the Panthers situation? Because that that like I felt the, the like the narrative around things shifting away to maybe believing in the 49ers a little bit more. Um, But Again, watching Kyle Shanahan just pull rabbit after rabbit out of a hat, hiding his quarterback pretty obviously and focusing on the the run scheme that we had talked up all season and it was working and he was wildly creative. Um, that to me was the first 50, five, zero minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, there was a lot of talk from Shanahan about how he wouldn't, you know, script those first 15 plays that he was going to until Saturday or whatever. (laughs) And I I mean, maybe that's true, whatever. But my thought was like, damn, good 15 plays to pick. Because I mean, like you said, they were just going right up and down and doing what they wanted. I mean, just really for me, it was not necessarily like, it's hard to like pick one or the other. Like, I think there's a little bit of Kyle Shanahan kind of falling back a little bit, you know, maybe getting a little too conservative at times, but you know, not go because he, but he's not really an aggressive. He's an aggressive play caller, but yeah. he's not an aggressive coach. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't like necessarily always push it on fourth down a lot. I mean, he's kind of similar to Sean McVay in that way because McVay is pretty conservative when it comes to like in game management. Yep. But obviously, still a great schemer, still a great designer of plays. And I think Shanahan kind of falls into that. So it really wasn't anything that's out of the normal for him. I just think there were missed like more than anything like. Garoppolo, the, the the tough part about calling him a game manager is that it really doesn't mesh with his skill set because he really makes a lot of mistakes and not necessarily 
you know, that he throws a lot of interceptions, but he takes a lot of awful sacks. He definitely, I mean, definitely lets pressure get to him. He misses things. I mean, that was the key thing to me is you could see it even, like you said, on the TV broadcast copy, like as it was happening, man, he's got Kittle right there or he's got Debo right there, but he just couldn't get it done fast enough, couldn't process fast enough to, to get things. And I think that's really the, the situation with Garoppolo is that, you know, we t- we typically say this about, I mean, just honestly, we, people say this stereotypically, just throw it around about quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson or whatever, like, but Garoppolo cannot get off his first read and like execute the next thing very well. That That's pretty quantifiable. I think pro football focus has put that out, but that was especially potent to me in the Super Bowl. Well, I I love that you brought up George Kittle because I also feel like he wasn't used, frankly, in the postseason yep. nearly as much as he should have been. Um, and I was definitely surprised that, I mean, there was that one PI call, right, that everybody's yeah. written articles about or had opinions about. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it matters at this point because that it shouldn't. I always say this when people talk about like Drew Brees and the Saints and the PI call um, last during the conference championships last year, like. It shouldn't come down to that, yeah, I agree. right? There's th- this shouldn't be it. Like George Kittle should have been um, used to the same extent, if not more, than you were using Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel. Right. Like, there was not an equitable utility for Kittle there. Uh, so th- that's one thing for me. The entire game shifted, and you could feel the energy. And this is where, like, being in the stadium, I think, was wildly valuable when Chris Jones deflected. Jimmy Garoppolo's pass with about five and a half, five minutes and 50 seconds, something like that left. You felt everything shift. All of a sudden, this defense was like, oh, we're always in it because this is our damn quarterback, which is something they all said in the locker room after the game. But you just felt everything move. And all of a sudden, this defense wasn't afraid anymore. This defense, the chip on their shoulder, the not being the, you know, they weren't as good as the 49ers defense. All of that, like, came to life again. You saw Ben freaking Neiman (laughs) sack Garoppolo shortly thereafter. And I was like, GTFO, like, this is not supposed to be the Iowa Hawkeye that is getting high-fived during this game. Like, holy sh**. And to me, like, even just thinking about it again, that last five and a half minutes, then the tide shifts. Patrick Mahomes shakes off whatever had him shook, finds Damian Williams, and then what? They may, they score three more touchdowns in the matter of five minutes. Which is just, I mean, that is who they are. It's just, yeah. un, it's unbelievable. And he, he's almost like he personifies the benefits of having a franchise quarterback to like a freakish degree. Because, you know, it's like Patriots fans for years. Colts fans back with Peyton Manning and then with Andrew Luck. You know, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers when he's at the height of his powers. You know, those teams... They feel like they always have a chance to win every Sunday and like because they have one of the greatest to ever do it. And f- so few teams, even when you have a solution at quarterback, like, you know, some of these guys that are in between a problem and, you know, these elite players, they don't necessarily go into every game being like, yeah, we got a shot to win because we have. I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger or something like that. But right. with with Mahomes, he like personifies that to a freakish degree because it's like, I only have five minutes. I can score 21 points in five minutes. We're down 24-0. We'll, we'll make that up and then some by the half. Like, 
Jesus. I mean, it's it's un. He also has the buy-in. He has the buy-in yeah. from the rest of the team. And I think that's what you're like talking about. It's not like just he believes it. It's not a Russell Wilson situation wh- where Russell says, you know, why not us? It's a team belief from, from receivers, right? From McCole Hardman saying the same thing after the game to Tyron Matthew being like, do you know who our quarterback is? Of course yeah. we were we were fine. Yeah. And uh, honestly, that deflection, like you just felt the entire temperature of Hard Rock Stadium shift. And it was also interesting, you know, we're talking about Mahomes, he can do all the things. When I try to break it down simply to other people who are more casual football fans, I say like, he can pass, he can run, he can pass on the run. Yeah. Like, that, that, that is it. And when I talked to Russell Wilson earlier in the week, I asked him, you know, you face this 49ers defense twice per season. What is Mahomes going to have to do? Whether it's Bosa on the coming at him off the edge or if he's getting pressure up the middle or Richard Sherman, you know, is on the right side. Like, what is he going to do? have to do? Um, and he was like, escape it. It was very, it was like, be mobile, escape it. And, you know, Russell Wilson can say that. <laughs> so... So anytime he mapped something out, it was basically like, yeah, I mean, the running back will have to chip here, but he'll have to run. He'll have to run. And then he'll have to pass. And he did all those things. I mean, that's the thing with Mahomes is the possibilities are endless. And, you know, it's just one of those things like as soon as you saw this guy as a starting quarterback, like back in 2018, it was immediately apparent like this was something different. This was something Mm -hmm. beyond our expectations beyond our understanding. And there really is no hyperbole. I think that like, there's no level of hyperbole. That's too much because everything he is, everything that people say he is and his teammates, like you say, they, they know it. Like again, not as not only is any score within reach, every area of the field is within his reach. Like whether he's going to run to it, throw to it, whatever direction it is, that's all possible. And and I mean, honestly, like even people that don't know football, like you said, they're, they'll watch it and just be like, yeah, this is this is different. Right. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. It's 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 honestly, I'm just I'm just glad we get to be alive while he's playing quarterback. There was a lot of talk about dynasty and there has been. But even in the locker room, I asked Chris Jones and I'm going to be honest, like I was a little bit <laughs> I was a little bit intimidated to go in there and like there's so there. I'll say that offline. I'm not going to say that right now. There, it, well, the did you did you did you place. mention the Chris Jones? Like, how does it feel being the new Justin Tuck? Because, like, you know, if we're going to talk <laughs> about Eli Manning having Justin Tuck's uh, Super Bowl MVP trophies, we probably got to talk about Patrick Mahomes having Chris Jones. I didn't ask him. That's a fair point. What I did say though um, was, "You planning on sticking around Kansas City?" And I, I have to be honest. Like, there's a bunch of like sports reporters, and they're all like, you know tall men, uh, six feet tall. And then I just sort of like muscled my way in. I was like, so you're going to be a free agent. Are you planning around sticking around Kansas City? And he like looked at me for a second. Like, I don't know if you're allowed to ask me that. And I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you that. <laughs> and, and um, and then he like, he went bananas and he was like, I'm stay. I want to stay in Kansas City forever. I don't talk about this a lot. We're creating a dynasty. And he like stood up and swore and was like raising his hands and talking about a dynasty. And I was just like, oh, and then everybody around him was like high-fiving and they were all celebrating. And it was pretty incredible to just yeah. see them all believing that this was going to be the new dynasty. Um, also, what I wanted to ask Chris Jones was like, so how big of a yacht are you buying tomorrow? Because yeah, you made no, yourself some money. No kidding. Right? Um, but, but when we talk about like, 
And also when we talk about the Patriots, who are omnipresent, even in the Super Bowl that they are not in because, obviously, of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. And we're talking about dynasties. For so long, we thought Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, learned at the knee of Belichick and Brady and had ice water in his veins, like that ice water seems to have turned into a nice saline solution. And it's Mahomes, who doesn't seem to have ice water in his veins, but just um, like a malleableness to mm-hmm. him. I hope it's a dynasties type situation because, like, I don't know, maybe someday they become the villain that the Patriots have become. Like, may, I, I hope not, but it's, it's hard to hard. imagine. It's hard to imagine Andy Reid being a Belichick-like figure and, you know, anyone disliking Mahomes unless you're a Raiders, Broncos, anything type player. So, I mean, type type fan or whatever, because the, the, it's tough to get back to the Super Bowl. You know, like mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers has been to one Super Bowl. Drew Brees has been to one Super Bowl. Peyton Manning had to, you know, go as a corpse to win his second. So yeah. th- it's just really tough to get back there, no matter how great of a team that you have, because it's a one game, a one elimination type playoff system. So I hope we see Mahomes there many times. And I think we will because he's, I mean, he's only 24 years old. This is it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. And it also felt like a Super Bowl of redemption when you have guys like Terrell Suggs who managed to like stumble his way onto this squad, <laughs> yeah, right. right? After getting right. right. And you have Tyron Matthew, right? Who almost lost everything years ago and had the ACL injury and has been to a lot of Super Bowl contenders, but never made it to the big dance. Um, and, and you have LaShawn McCoy, who's not even starting in the damn game, who's sitting there in the locker room, but like he gets a ring. Like, there, there was just a lot of redemptive pieces to this whole squad, which I think also made it feel, and Andy Reid obviously being the, the largest, both literally and metaphorically yeah. among them, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about the running backs really quickly. Uh, last week, I asked you if Damian Williams, we discussed as to whether or not Damian Williams was going to be a thing. And you emphatically said, no, I wanted to give you props for a second because early in the game, your boy Darwin Thompson came <laughs> in on, <laughs> on a goal line rush. But I think it was second down, got stuffed and then didn't see the field again, basically. Sick. <laughs> Did your face melt? Did your face melt? Obviously. I mean, it, it's like even in my, I'm sitting at standing in my own home and I hear the name and it's just like a twitch. Like, I thought about you, Matt, because there was a there was a hot second there where Darwin Thompson was going to be the first because uh, that's, that's such a, a prop bet, right? Yeah. First yeah. person yeah. to score a touchdown, you know, in the Super Bowl or first person on a team to score a touchdown. Darwin Thompson, someone would have could have bought a car with that, uh, you know, a 40 or 50 yeah. to one. Yeah. What a treat. Odds. And I thought about you. But. Oh, we thank got, thank you both. The San your your San Francisco 49ers denied that from happening. What are you what are you talking about? I'm not a San Francisco 49ers. Oh yeah, it's the year 2020. It's the year 2020. Sorry. We're yeah. on to the next thing. Damien Williams touches the ball 21 times for over 130 yards and two touchdowns. Are we still believing like Andy Barron's does that the Kansas City Chiefs are drafting a running back early? I mean, the thing is they could draft a running like how early is early? Cuz I mean, I, I anything Second round. I, yeah, I think, well, I think even like a third or fourth round pick could pose a challenge to Williams' workload. It's just, it's hard to say. I, I would, I don't think though, until the draft happens, like, I think we got to go and assume like Damian Williams is the guy because like he did, I mean, he looked really good in that, in the Super Bowl just, and he did throughout the playoffs. Like he's, I think he scored like 11 career postseason touchdowns at this point. Uh, we know that just being in this offense can create touches, but I still, I think at some point the Chiefs address and add more players to the running back and muddle this situation up. I think that's fair. A wait-and-see situation. Um, Let's see. Should we move off of the Super Bowl? Any other Super Bowl thoughts, questions, anything you wanted to add? 
No, I think I think that's it. Let's talk about we, we we talked about being on Radio Row. You talked about your interview with Ryan Fitzpatrick on what was it Friday morning? I know that day you also had the opportunity to talk to Saints. Let's call him backup running back. Uh, I'm sorry, backup quarterback. I did it on accident. Look at that, <laughs> Taysom Hill. And you also wrote a piece about whether or not he should be a flex player. I want to know first, before we delve into your article and your thoughts on Taysom Hill and his you know, eligibility for fantasy purposes, whether or not meeting him inspired the article or were you just dead set on asking him this question personally because it's been on your mind? So I already had planned to write a Taysom Hill should not be a flex player. And I had planned to write that piece after the Super Bowl. I'd already talked it over with our uh, fearless leader, Jason Klobaca, that was already on the books. And then when you all had to stay and rehearse at the pregame show and uh, miss the rest of the Radio Row interviews, I jumped uh, on the opportunity to take Michelle's uh, Taysom Hill interview and added and it actually added another layer to the piece because the piece that it's, and you know, it'll be up on the website, I hope, by the time people are, uh, by the time people are listening to the, p- the podcast, I just sent it in to publish about 10 minutes before we started recording. Uh, and like essentially the piece kind of hits two parts, his fantasy eligibility and also just some of his quotes and his thoughts on not just fantasy football, but also his place in the NFL and what he hopes to see out of his career. So it, it actually ended up just being perfect that I ended up talking to him because it added something, I think, to the piece other than just me, for lack of a better word, at people. So what was I mean, I don't I want everyone to go check out the piece at sports.yahoo.com, right? The That's website. The yes, I said the website. Um, <laughs> can you like what's like one nug about Taysom that surprised you or something he said that you found particularly illuminating. I'm sure there are millions of gorgeous nugs within the article, but just just tease us with one, Matt. So I think the one that's really interesting is he's very aware of fantasy football and people hating him. Like, I mean, he, he, he actually said, he said, I think I was the most hated player in football last year because of fantasy football. Mm. And, you know, he said, like, he said, I don't know. I don't know the game. I don't uh, understand the rules or the intricacies of it. But he's very aware of people complaining to him that he's taking touches away from Michael Thomas, taking rushes away from Alvin Kamara, passes away from Drew Brees. Essentially, Taysom has read the mentions. (laughs) He's aware of how people feel about him (laughs) out there. That's fascinating. I mean, it speaks to the prodigiousness, if you will, of fantasy football, the the influence that fantasy football has. Huh. Well, and I, you know, here's here's the thing too. Like I I got the quote from him about what does he think he should be? Uh he mm-hmm. thinks he should be he says it was it he could have been a flex player based on the Now this is the interesting part. And you can you know, maybe and I take some liberties pulling the strings on this one. But he obviously says, look, he probably could have been a flex player based on his role last year. But going forward for the future, he should be a quarterback. Now, I think, Hmm. look, he very he's there's a lot of quotes in the piece about he his goal, his dream has always to be a starting franchise quarterback in the NFL. And he believes he is a franchise quarterback. His coach, Sean Payton, has said on record, he thinks that Taysom Hill will be a starting NFL quarterback, quote, sooner than later. So 
I, I really think that there's, and Jay Glazer from Fox Sports believes, uh, reported this as well, that they view Taysom Hill as their successor to Drew Brees. They want Brees back this year. If, if Brees wants to play, he'll be back and he'll be playing in New Orleans. But I think that they view Hill as their long-term successor, and he would be very easy for them to retain this year because he's a restricted free agent. All he would take is a first or a second-round tender, and I think that's probably going to be enough to dissuade whichever team come if any team comes after him however he also said too like if it's not new orleans if it's another team that shares his vision that was his word shares his vision for what he wants to be then he would go you know he would go and pursue that opportunity so my read on this situation right now i think teddy bridgewater is playing somewhere else next year and i think that that was my first thought was i mean teddy Teddy did some lifting, right? It might not have been exciting or explosive the way that Taysom Hill changes the field every time he's on it, but Teddy did do some work well, this one, year. One games for them. One all one all of his starts, right? right? So, yes. yeah, I mean, that's the that is the interesting thing. And, you know, Taysom Hill is sneaky old. Like for, a, you know, we think of him as just this guy that popped up on the scene, but you know, he's he's a Mormon BYU graduate, went on his mission, did the whole thing. Like so he came into the league kind of old. He's 29 years old. And oh. I, you know that's uh, that's a year older than me. That's some for, Brandon. That's some Brandon Whedon sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, he's he's an interesting figure, but I mean, it was it was cool talking to him and hearing that perspective. That he's like he's like yeah I'm aware. he's like I'm I don't understand fantasy football, but all I understand is that people people don't like me. people don't like me. Uh, and I, I think right. there's a there's a the last quote that I have in the article. I think people will find cool because uh, he I mean look. If he ever becomes a starting quarterback in the NFL, much less in New Orleans, that's going to be awesome for fantasy because he because he's a mobile quarterback. He can do all these type of things if he can throw. Like, look, we played Tim Tebow in fantasy once upon a time. That that happened. That that was a real life moment. Taysom Hill would certainly be awesome a, as a quarterback, and you know he says that's what that will be his way of making it up to all the fantasy people that hated him all these years, not well, being I- flex eligible. <laughs> I think that's fascinating. I love the take on it. It's very interesting take on the elig- the eligibility eligibility piece is a fascinating take. And I also wonder, you know, I'm I'm gonna admit that I haven't broken down a lot of Taysom Hill tape, but the space between Josh Allen and Taysom Hill, if given a similar amount of reps, is what? I, I don't know. This the, the thing about him as a quarterback is it's so unknown. He's thrown right. he's thrown just fifteen despite being listed as a quarterback and wanting to be a quarterback, he's thrown just fifteen passes in the regular season and the playoffs the last two seasons combined. Meanwhile, he's run the ball seventy one times, he's caught twenty five passes, and he scored eleven touchdowns, none of which have been a passing touchdown. So right. he, he I mean, there's just it's very unknown other than we obviously saw him uncork a 50 yard deep bomb in the playoffs that that was a thing that happened but for the most part what we know of him as is being you know a a rushing receiving threat and a fantasy football pariah as I told him that he was you know who else has been a fantasy football pariah and two quarterbacks in fact uh Mitchell Trubisky and Marcus Mariota um, did oh you see the report out this morning that the uh, Bears were considering adding a veteran presence to, quote, push Mitchell Trubisky in 2020? Yeah, that was um, I did see that. That's in, that is an interesting one. I talked to uh, in addition to all the players we talked to on Radio Row, I did get a chance to talk to Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson off the record. <gasps> How was that for you? 
Well, I mean, it was great because he recognized me and called me over to him. But, you know, humble brag. Uh, uh, like I said, we're pals. Anyways, so we had a good off-the-record conversation uh, about the Bears quarterback situation. But, uh, of course, I'll share that with you privately, Liz. I, I obviously cannot share it on the airwaves with everyone else. Makes sense. Makes good sense. Um, when I look at – and we're not, I'm not surprised that the Bears would bring in a veteran presence to push Mitchell, right? We talked about this, in fact – on and off throughout the season. The assumption that it's Marcus Mariota is bothersome to me. (laughs) You know, you're you're in a tough spot when you're like, damn it, I wanted Andy Dalton, not Marcus Mariota. (laughs) No, here's what I want. And financially, it doesn't make sense. Uh, In fact, I tweeted, because of John DeFilippo's presence as the quarterback's coach, if Jacksonville eats 33.8 million, I will stop eating my feelings. Nick Foles makes the most <laughs> sense. <laughs> Nick Foles makes the most sense as a veteran quarterback, especially when you're pairing him with Flip. And I don't think, you know, like 33.8 doesn't make much sense <laughs> at all. That's a lot of dead, dead money. But I also don't think that Jacksonville wouldn't be open to a trade. Yeah. Right. Like Michelle spent time with Gardner Minshew on a gator boat, which was perfect. Pretty cool. And he very clearly is the future of this franchise. And so this is one of those like, do you cut the mistake or do you figure out a way just to like stop the bleeding and lean into the future? Or do you, you know, there's a situation for Khan to figure out. But I, I am encouraging and putting out into the universe Nick Foles moving north to Chicago. How would you feel about Teddy Bridgewater, though? Someone like that. No, thank you. Got it. I mean, because like my problem with Teddy is that it's it's like Mitchell and Teddy are on opposite ends of the spectrum. This one takes all the damn risk because he scrambled in the brain. And the other one is too shook to ever take the kind of risk he needs to take. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty fair point. And uh, I do think, you know, working with guys like Alan Robinson, Anthony Miller, you know, we talk about this all the time. I feel like we talk about it a lot, you know, early to start this season with Nick Foles. Like, well, some people, you know, Liz, you said, well, look, he's a guy that worked very well with like big contested catch receivers. Maybe Chris Conley could be a thing that kind of ended up being a reason why DJ Chark was a little bit of a thing. Others right. would say that, you know, numerically, he lines up very well with slot receivers. He's fed slot receivers. So DB Westbrook was going to be a thing. We had all of Tight these, ends. we had all of these conversations. You know, to start Nick Foles' Jacksonville career, and they ended up being uh, not really helpful for anything because he was there for like a cup, a couple cup of coffees. But like, also, hey, at least Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, both the, they both combine those two skill sets. You know, as Miller is that slot receiver, and then Robinson is kind of that outside the numbers vertical receiver who can win in contested spaces. I also think that Nick Foles is probably okay mentoring and teaching. Yeah, and that is going to be like a fake requirement to come to the Bears. Like you have yeah. to teach, you have to teach Mitchell. You have, this you isn't a competition. Like let, let Ryan Pace does not want Mitchell Trubisky to not win. Anyone, <sighs> it, it's right. Like he wants Trubisky to win this. So you need to bring someone in who's going to lose or at least coach him up. Yeah, yeah, and so. it's it's so strange too because I really do think like Bears players like Mitchell Trubisky, despite the fact that like he's not good. Uh, I think that they really like the guy. And I think that's got I think that's gotta be tough because 
you see like flashes with Mitch every now and again, like that Dallas game. I, I always come back to that. Like, mm, you know, the he Thanksgiving was, game, the Thanksgiving game too. But like the Dallas game, especially was the one that I noticed watching, like all of the players like got really psyched as he was like starting to feel it. And they were pulling off this upset, you know, they were constantly like coming up to him and like just celebrating with him and all that.